this morning, uh, I'm like a little bit like the praise team because I was depending on the tollers to do the entire service, uh, this morning. So I hadn't, uh, I hadn't totally prepared a message for today. So I, I was, uh, my back was against the wall, so to speak. And I begin to think about what Paul told Timothy. He said, Timothy, he said, you've got to be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, rebuke, and correct with all long suffering. And I, I, I've been doing this long enough that I know that, that I know in my mind that everything is not going to always just fall into the place just like we think and we plan. But still sometimes I get all, I get all jittery and I get, I, I, I get a little bit unnerved when, when things don't seem to, to fit just like we thought they were going to fit. But I've trust the Lord that this word that he has given me this morning is for this hour. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I've, I've learned a, a good while back not to, when people come to me and says, Pastor, can you explain this? Why this happened? Why that happened? Uh, I, I'm just pastor. I don't get, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have to have all the answers. I come to that conclusion, uh, a good while back. And, and I don't know why we could blame it on the devil and say, well, the devil stopped us from having the day that we had planned. And that may be true. But did you ever think about maybe God had something else planned for us today? And so maybe, just maybe, God is wanting to do a work in this room this morning, or maybe not in that this room, but even outside of this room as we go out by uh, virtual means this morning, uh, streaming live. So we're just believing that God is going to minister in this place this morning. I want to preach to you a message against the odds. You see in the backdrop... Uh, in front of you up on the screen, you'll see there a uh, sort of a faded out picture of a chessboard. Uh, I never was good at, you know, I never was good at chess. I remember back many years ago, I played it some uh, when I was a teenager, actually. I probably, other than what some of the, the pieces are called, I probably can't tell you a whole lot about uh, the game of chess anymore. I probably could play it even worse, but I do know, I do know that chess is a game of strategy. Chess is a game where that even when you're down, there is only the, the there is only the black opponent. They're black and white, and the black opponent is the on there. You only see one pawn on the board. And we can look at that and we could say, well, this game is over. But let me tell you something. The game is not over until the last man is captured. The game is not over because that one pawn has the ability to move forward. To move backwards, to move from side to side. That one has, and you'll see in the backdrop that in reality, yes, there is a line drawn. There is a line drawn on the white side of the board. There is a line drawn of pawns and, and, and then we see the bishop uh, there and, and you see the image of the queen. But in the, in the faded background, you see the image of the king. That's the king of the enemy. And, and that is the, the, the place where you can conquer the opposing kingdom. 
I'm reminded this morning about the, the word of God. The word of God says the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. That doesn't, that, you know, sometimes people take that and, and interpret that scripture in, in a, uh, in a reversed order. What that means, what that scripture said to us, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us, is saying to us, the gates of hell cannot withhold us. They, they cannot stop us. The church is unstoppable. Let me tell you that. Read the back of the book. We may have battles. We may have warfare. But the church is unstoppable. No matter what happens in the election. No matter what happens on the other side of the world. No matter what ha- what what man or woman of God may miserably fail. Let me, t- let me share you some good news. The church is unstoppable. The church is not going to be stopped. It cannot be stopped. And it will not be stopped. I want you to go with me to Psalms 27. Because we're part of an unstoppable church. I want to read to you what the psalmist said. He asked two questions to begin with here in the 27th Psalm. The first question is, he declares, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Then he asked the question, whom shall I fear? Then he establishes, the Lord is the defense of my life. And he asks the second question, whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled. Notice that is past tense. When and stumbled. Notice they stumbled and fell. And though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, the psalmist said, I shall be confident. I want to, I want to preach to you about being confident against all odds. Being confident against all odds. Or the odds. Confidence is not necessarily in the Found in the absence of difficulties. I want you to remember that. Confidence is not found in the absence of difficulties. You see, when all is going well for us, it's not hard to be confident. You know, we're large and we're in charge. You know, we, we, we got the, we got the moon by the tail, so to speak. We, 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 we know what we're doing and we know how to get it done. We, 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 we are confident and we, we know and, and listen there, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, have some self-confidence. I'm not preaching that at all this morning. It's good to have self-confidence and we're gonna, I'm gonna touch on that before I finish this message. But here's the point I'm trying to make. But real confidence, real, real confidence is not necessarily found in the absence of difficulties. In fact, when we look at this scripture, we find that the psalmist actually speaks of enemies, adversaries, and he speaks of, uh, of evildoers to him. 
You know, I, I I would like to tell you, but I'm sorry, I can't do that this morning. That when you got saved, I I like to tell you that that when when you got full of the Holy Ghost, I like to tell you when 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 you let when you got a call of ministry, I like to tell you when everything is going good for you and and the Lord's just blessing you. I would like to tell you this morning, but I can't. That everything is going to be perfect and good and well in your life. Because it's not. There's going to be things arise. There's going to be things that will happen. There's going to be battles, battles to fight. There's going to be enemies to face. There's going to be giants to slay. There's going to be lions to tame. There's going to be fiery furnaces to extinguish. But, but when we enter into the service of God, everything is not going to be hunky dory, so to speak. We're going to find ourselves with enemies, evildoers, adversaries. We're going to find ourselves like that little pawn in the middle of that chessboard. We're going to find ourselves at times seemingly grossly outnumbered. But it's in those moments. It's in those seasons of life that, 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 that our confidence begins to rise up and begins to manifest itself in our lives. So how do we achieve that? How, how do we get there? Well, I want you to know this. Number one, it takes a, you ever heard that expression? It takes a village to raise a child. Well, that wasn't true with me because I was such a good child. No, no, not really, not really. We had a whole neighborhood. I was at everybody's house. My, my, I can remember my grandmother's house. Everybody called my grandmother Granny Thompson. And everybody showed up at her house. I was talking to, 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 uh, Brother Ballard and Sister Loretta back there before service began this morning. And she was telling me she had a whole big old crowd, about 22, I think she said, over, to feed over at her house, uh, yesterday, I believe it was. Listen, and I told, I told Brother Ballard, I said, you're blessed, fella, because the, the Bible says man's whose, uh, whose quiver is full of arrows. He's a blessed man. I said, so you must be blessed. But I happen to know my wife is one of eight. Eight, my wife is one of eight children. Her dad, her dad was one of 17 children in their family. Uh, and, and it takes an army to raise a family. As the saying goes, even if there's just one, it still takes an army. But it, it, it takes a village, it takes a village or an army, if you would, to achieve confidence. Let me, let me, let me preach, let me preach to you right now. Of why you need the church. The church is more than a building. The church, thank God for the facility that He has blessed us with. He has blessed us with remarkable facilities. And, 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 and that's because you have been obedient in your giving. It's because God has led people to this church. This church is here in Bluewell for a plan. It's here for a purpose. It's here to serve this community. But I want you to know what? And part of that community is you and myself. Part of that community is everyone out there watching us this morning. Is everyone living up and down this road. Because here's the thing. We need one another. We need one another. Pastor, I can be a Christian and don't have to be at church. 
Sure you can. I can't dispute that. Wouldn't argue that with you at all. But I want you to know, the Bible said for a reason, the Lord said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together as some are doing. Because we need one another. We need the church. Listen, it takes a village to be confident. It takes a village to build our confidence. It takes me to encourage Heath. It takes Heath to encourage me. It takes me to encourage Christine. It takes Christine to encourage me. And and, and it, that goes that way all across the, this congregation this morning and out into our extended congregation. Understand with me, it takes a village to achieve confidence because when my confidence is low, my confidence is lacking, I know that I have have a family, a church family. I know I have people that are praying for me and people that are fasting for me and people that are standing in the gap for me and there's people doing that for you as well. That's why you need a church and that's why you need a church family wherever you're at. If you're in this room or watching, you need to find you a church family. You need to get established in that family and you need to grow in your confidence in the Lord. And then we need to take advantage of opportunities to build our confidence. And that's not always, <laughs> that's not always the easy part. Because here's what happens. In order to be confident, we have to know success. Success is never known or achieved in its fullness until there's a failure. I want you to think about that. Success is never known or never fully achieved or is not celebrated, if you would, until you've experienced a failure. Now we've all got failures in our lives. We've all had failures. It may not be, it may be not be sinful failures. It may not be spiritual failures, but all of us have failed. Some of you think I failed as parents. Some of you think I failed as an employee. Some of you think I failed as, uh, uh, what, you know, I, you know, I failed as a driver. I failed as this and I failed as that. Uh, uh, but, but then suddenly we come back, we cast our cares, we cast our troubles on, up on the Lord and, and we come back and we can find that the scripture is fulfilled in us that I can do all things through the Lord that strengthens me. I may be a failure in myself. I may miserably stumbled and faltered and fell down in my own right but when the Lord Jesus Christ picks me up dusts me off and I cast my care and dependency upon him and let him do the work in me that I tried to do in myself then I find that God has brought me to a place of confidence and I take advantage of every opportunity let me let me elaborate just a little bit more on that There's an old saying, an adage, and you aren't going to find this in scripture, but it's, it's just an old adage that says, you have, you have never tried and failed until you've tried. You'll never try and fail until you try. Let me tell you something. 
There, there, there within us, there has to be, there must be opportunities that the Lord calls us out on faith. And in faith, he calls us to step in. What? Let me tell you something. Do you think that night out on the sea, when the when the, everything was reeling and rocking, when Jesus came walking by, and they said, "Oh no, it's a ghost coming on the water." Do you think that 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 it was that it was easy for them to believe? Do you think that? Do you think that when Jesus came along and he said to Peter, "Do you think it was?" He says, "Peter, I want you to come on out here to me. Come on out here." He's standing maybe about fifteen yards outside of that little boat there. I want you to come on out here to me. And people can criticize Peter all they want to. He might have looked down. He might have saw the water, and he might have sunk. But he was the only one that got to walk on water. Him and Jesus. Let me tell you. Sometimes we've got to get out of the boat. Sometimes we've got to get past the fear of failure and let God take us in to opportunities. And even if we fail, he will use those to build our confidence. Thirdly, is stop comparing yourself. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't know if that Bible, my, my, my Bible that I was used when I was first started preaching the gospel, I don't know if it's here or at my, in my library at home. But inside the pages, that Bible is pretty well dilapidated. That's why, I, you know, quit carrying it. It's falling apart. But inside the cover of that Bible, you will find there a little piece of note paper. And it will have a little stick man sketched out. And that stick man actually had long hair because I had that back in that day, I had longer hair. Okay? And that's, that little piece of paper was, was drawn by my son when he was about eight years old. Sitting in the back seat of the car. Right after we had left a church service. Right after we left a church service that was early in my preaching ministry. And he Sketch that out because he was listening to mom and dad in a conversation. And dad's conversation was, I wish I could preach like so-and-so that just pre- had finished preaching the message in the church that night during revival. He raises up out of the back seat, you know, seat, you know, he didn't have his seatbelt on, he should have. He raises up out of the back seat and puts his little arms up on the back uh, of, of my mother and, and his seat and uh, mine and his mother's seat. And he says, don't worry about it, dad. Preachers are unique. You're not supposed to preach like him. And my fatherly response was, why don't you sit back there and shut up? Put your seatbelt on. You, you know, you don't even know what you're talking about. I said, you don't even know what unique means. He said, yes, I do. He said, I said, all right, what does it mean? He said, it means everyone are different. Everyone's different. Stop comparing yourself to what you want to be and what you think you should be. And stop, listen. If you don't sing a song, sing it like you, bless God. If you don't preach a message, preach it like you. 
If, if you're going to teach a class, teach it like you. Quit trying to be someone that you are not and you let yourself be what God wants you to be and stop comparing yourself because when you stop comparing yourself to what somebody else is doing, your confidence will grow that you are being what God wants you to be. And what happens in all of that is you begin to readjust your source of confidence. You see, you know, you know, us Christians, we speak Christianese. Church people speak churchese. You know, church Healy, Swahili, church Healy, Christianese, churchese. We, we, we have our own language. Now, maybe people come up and they'll say, Hey, how things going over there at Don Jones's church? That's her boss. Yeah. Yeah. How's things going over at Brother Jim's church? People come up to me very often. Now, come up to me and they say, how are things going at your church? My favorite response. I don't have a church. What? You're not preaching anymore? I said, oh yeah, I'm still pastoring. I thought you said you didn't have a church. I said, I don't have a church. You see, the church belongs to the Lord God. Now I'm there as a shepherd. I'm there as his appointee. I'm there, I'm there as the, the, the head steward or to oversee things like that. But listen to me. My ministry is not really my ministry. If my ministry is my ministry, then God's going to let me own it. If my church is my church, then God's going to let me own it. If your ministry is your ministry, God will let you own it. On it too. But when we realize that what we are doing, our source of confidence, everything I am, everything I will be, everything I'm doing right now is, is not me, but it's because of God. It's because of kingdom purpose. And I readjust my source of confidence and I learn to say, this is not about me. Come on and rain me out if you want to today. Hurricane Delta, it's not about me, but it's what God wants. Come on an RV and not be available to make it to Virginia from Wilson, North Carolina today. It's not about me. It's it's about what God wants. Whatever comes your way, whatever comes by, if we will come to the place, it's less about us and it's more about God and we cast our confidence in Him. He will manifest. He will honor His Word. He will honor His Spirit and the kingdom of God will increase. I'm making me hot this morning. So, confidence will beget confidence. We quit comparing ourselves to other people and other things. But confidence will beget confidence. Confidence happens when we start to gain confidence, not in ourselves. But confidence in who God is. Follow me. It's not about, it's not so much about self-confidence as it is God confidence. You see, you see, Samson was dependent upon his own strength and he failed. David, David depended on his strength and wisdom and he failed. 
So what we find is that when we begin to look, we, we go back and we see these men of God in Scripture. We go back and we look at the life of Saul, and you find that Saul has great a king as he was. Saul, Saul never killed a giant, but the giants were in the land. Saul, Saul, nor anyone in his army, in fact, ever took down a giant. But David, when David adjusted his confidence and his confidence became no longer about his him, confidence in himself, his confidence began to come to God as a little boy. David killed Goliath and then even following amidst David's failures, we find that there were many giants, there were many battles, there were many occasions that were won at the hand of David or through his military might, if you would. But because that it was the confidence that was in found in David, but it was the confidence that was found in God. So confidence will beget confidence. If 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 you begin to put your confidence in God for one thing, let me tell you something. You put your confidence in God. Have, have any of y'all ever had a prayer that's ever been answered? Don't don't when when you when you know you prayed a prayer. A prayer of specifics. And God has honored that prayer. And God has answered that prayer. Don't that really just boost your prayer confidence? Don't it just boost? Don't it make you think that, you know, I can, well, you know, I can pray some more. I can pray some more heaven down. I can pray some more healing. I can pray some more delivery. I can pray for some more people to be saved. You know, you know, when we start seeing prayers happen and prayers answered, then our confidence begins to increase. Listen, and I know there's those times when when we feel like our prayers hit the ceiling. There's those times when our seemingly our prayers are, are not answered. It seems like sometimes there's those prayers, but, but, but as we pray the will of God, what happens is it only takes, listen, hey, I want to tell you something. I, I, I can compare it, and some of you may not could relate to this, but I'll use it as a metaphor anyway this morning. I compare it to the game of golf. If you ever played golf. You can play golf, and I don't, I, I hack. I, I'm not a good, I'm not a good golfer. Don't claim to be. My golf score and my bowling score are about the same, if that tells you anything. Some of you, if you know anything about either game. You can have the worst game in the world. And I've had some worst games in the world. I got a pinched nerve in my neck right now because of golf. Sarah and I went down to the beach and we went to this little golf course we like to go to. She doesn't play, but she likes to drive that buggy around. She goes too fast on it too. She scares me sometimes. Just, just she and I playing golf. I had to hit it across this pond. Well, I didn't have to hit it across the pond. I could have went around it, to be frank about it. But I didn't want to go around it because it's going to take too many strokes. So I thought, I'm going to hit across this pond. I hit the first one. Deep six, right in the water. I hit the next one. Deep six, right in the water. I hit the next one. The turtles were loving it. She's setting up on the cart. I'm down in the fairway. She's setting up on the cart. And she's doing this like she's doing right now. She's just 
getting that smedley laugh going on, you know. <laughs> I got mad. Preachers get mad too. Remember last week I preached on, or Wednesday night I, I taught on anger, getting angry and sin night. Well, I got angry and I, I, I guess I sinned against myself and probably two or three good ground moles. I took that golf club, I ran, hit the ground with it. When I did, something popped in my neck. And I've suffered with it from time to time ever since. Golf can be aggravating. It can make you mad. It can be frustrating. But then you go and you drive off the next tee box. You drive it to the green. You, you drive it out in the fairway. Second hit, you're on the green. You go up and you put that little white plastic ball into that little plastic hole. And you scream out, birdie! Or maybe par. And suddenly, your confidence comes back out of that moment of success. Or it can go the opposite way. You can have a good game and you, you can get to the last three holes and then it just blow all to pieces on you. And you say, I ain't never going back again. One of my, one fellow I know, he said, Playing golf is like being married to an abusive woman. She can beat you to death and you still go back to her the next day. But listen, it's in those moments, it's in those moments of success, in success in our prayers, in success. And as we, confidence begets confidence. And the more we pray, the more prayers are going to be answered. The more faith we have, the more faith that we will see fulfilled in our lives. Because the Bible says, according to our faith, so be it unto us. So confidence will beget confidence. And we will grow in our faith. Not faith in ourselves. Not necessarily faith in my prayers, but faith that God hears and answers prayers. Confidence comes from trusting God before, during, and after our battles. Confidence comes. Every battle that is won will boost our confidence. A battle that seemingly is lost. A battle that seemingly, that, that has, where everything has went down the tubes. That will, that will sometimes discourage us a little bit. But then comes along the next battle. We, we see God victoriously stand up and minister to our circumstance and minister in the situation and our hope and our confidence comes back. But listen, we need to be confident against all the odds because confidence is going to come again from trusting God before, during, and after our battles are over. Because you see, when you read the scripture, I shared with you, it's text. Verse 2 was given as I pointed out in the past tense. But when you come to verse 3, verse 3 is given in future tense. Because it's in verse 3 that, that the psalmist says, Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. You see, I've not so confidence in my own abilities. That's why I still, after all of these years, after 31 years, 
That's why I still get a little bit nervous when I'm feeling like I haven't prepared like I normally like to prepare. And today is one of those days. I get a little bit antsy. I get, I, 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 I don't feel comfortable, so to speak. And I believe in preparation. Don't misunderstand me. I believe in preparation. I believe that, that, that we should study to show ourselves approved unto God. That's the Word of God. I believe that we should prepare for everything that God's give, puts before us. I think we should prepare our hearts daily in prayer. I think we should prepare our hearts daily in the Word of God. I think we should indulge ourselves in Him. But, but, but listen to me. There's those occasions in life. I was getting a little panicky this morning after I got here. I got a new iPad. It's a little bit different than the old iPad. I got ready to bring my message up. Thank God Nathan was in a worshipful mood because I couldn't get it to come up. I couldn't get, this, I couldn't get nothing to come up on that crazy thing, you know. I went to a funeral one time. With the old iPad when I, I hadn't had it long. Went to the funeral, had my the funeral service all out there on the iPad. It's all nifty to do it on the iPad. It's real neat, real, you know, you don't have all that paper and stuff floating around. Got to, got to the funeral home, got up to do the funeral, and guess what? My iPad went dead. And I thought, oh Lord, what am I going to do? And I'm not trying to over-spiritualize anything, but I'm not trying to under-spiritualize it either. But my call does not rest in an iPad. My call does not rest on a piece of paper. But my calling and anointing rests in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And though I had didn't have the equipment that I wanted in front of me, I had prepared my heart before the Lord. You see, you can have everything that you want written down in front of you, but if your heart is not prepared, you can have all kind of fantastic equipment. You can have the best instrument. You can have the greatest computer. You can have the greatest notepad. You could have, uh, you know, if your ministry is playing baseball, you could have the world's finest baseball bat. You could, uh, you know, you could, you could have whatever you need. But let me tell you something. You can have the best of equipment, but realize that our confidence is in God. It's in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing is the equipping of the Holy Spirit that will bring us into what God wants to do through us. So I'm confident of this one thing. David was confident. What was he confident of? He said, the war rise against me. In spite of this, I will be confident. He was not confident in himself. He was not confident in his army. He was not confident in his own ability. He was not confident in in the horses and the chariots or the spears. He was not confident in in anything that, that he had before him in equipment. But the one thing that David was confident of is that the Lord was on his side. And when you and I realize that the Lord is on our side, whatever we go to do, whatever Whatever we venture in, whatever He takes us in, He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. And He will not let us down. We may break a golf club. We may sink a few balls in the pond. But if God's ordained it, He will put it in the cup every single time. Listen, I'm confident of this. Not my ability. 
Not my learning. Not my wife's learning. But I am confident that the Lord, God Almighty, will see me through whatever road He takes me down. So be confident against the odds. I don't know what happened in that chess game. For sure. But here's what's going to happen in my story. That little pawn is going to start moving around that board. He's going to, he's going to take out one, two, or three uh, of his opponents at a time. It may take a little while. It may, and it's going to take some, some strategy. It's going to take some dedication. But that little pawn is going to begin to move around and suddenly that pawn, he's going to knock over the queen. And suddenly, after he knocks over the queen, that little pawn is going to take the king. And that one little pawn against all of the odds of that chessboard is going to be victorious. You see, it would be foolish for that little pawn to think he could wipe out that entire chessboard at one time. That would be foolish for him. But if he just one at a time, one at a time. Remember that old song? Old song, it was sung to death back in the 70s, I guess it was. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking from you. If we will live our life, we will fight our battles one day at a time. One day at a time, one move at a time, one, 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 one opponent at a time. If we will follow that, if we will depend on God, God, I got through today. Listen, I got through today. I, I, when I get to the next day, you're going to be there. When I get to the next day, you're going to be there. When I get to the next day, you're going to be there. When I get to the next battle, you're going to be there. When I get to the next battle, you're going to be there. And we let God fight our battles and bring our days. Our confidence level in Him will go out the roof. And we will be, we will be able to leap over walls and run through troops and run through troops and leap over walls and we will be able to do everything God has called us to do because it's all about him anyway I don't ask you to bow your heads with me today you may be in this room and you may be unsaved and if you're unsaved let me tell you something I think you you're probably a good person. If you're watching by video and you're unsaved, no doubt in my mind, you're a very good person. But if you are unsaved, you have not put your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're trying to do good deeds to get to heaven, if you're trying to be a, be a pretty good fellow or a pretty good lady, your confidence is not in God. Your confidence is in yourself. Today, if you're in this room or you're watching or listening, Understand, the only way to heaven is to put your trust, your hope, your confidence in none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this room, I, I look around and it's mostly home folks here today. But as I look around this room, I, I must still ask, is there one person in this room at all without any embarrassment that says, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not placed my entire confidence in the Lord. 
I'm still trying to fix things and do things on my own. I'm trying to work things out my way. Is there anybody in this room that would slip up your hand to say that? I won't embarrass you, I promise you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Pastor. I'm trying to do this on my own. Anybody else? Here's what I want to ask you to do this with this morning. We're going to break out just a little bit. I want you to look at me. The one that the one that raised their hand, if that person would like to come, by all means you want to come. If you're comfortable coming, I, I try to I, I, let's we'll try to avoid getting real up close with one another. But we haven't done this in so long, and I'm longing for it. I want everybody that can and will. You know, we go to restaurants, we stand in line, we go to we've been we've stood in line at Walmart. You know, if you need them, if you feel more comfortable with a mask, they're out there in the foyer. Grab you one real quick. But I want as many as can and will. I want us to come down here and we're going to pray. We got enough room to spread out. We're going to say goodbye to our.